0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and uh, I'm I'm really excited here at the, the beginning of the new year to have uh, one of our first guests on, Ed Harrington from Oppenheimer. Uh, he's the head of private client group for the firm. We've done some things together, had him in the office here a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was like, Ed, you need to be on my podcast. You need to be saying all those things to my audience because I think there's a lot of things he talked about that people don't maybe might be surprised about Oppenheimer. So today's that day. Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciated being with your team a few weeks back. Yeah, it was uh, it was really good. I think everyone was uh, was uh, really you know blown away or surprised. I think Oppenheimer is one of those firms that flies under the radar a lot of people, and it's a firm that people should be taking a look at. And I think that was what resonated with our team, especially for some of the people out on my team that have been in the business for a long time. So. So let's just get right into it. Um, for those for those new listeners, uh, this is a conversation, right? This is just a conversation with two industry guys talking shop. Um, that's really all it's about. And so we're going to go through some things that are on my mind, some questions that were asked uh, of Ed when he was here. And um, But for the audience, we're just going to hope you enjoy it. And we're just going to get right into it. And the, Ed, the first question I really want to talk to you about is, uh, which is a question everybody uh, everyone wants to talk about, is where do you see the trend right now with all the advisor movement? The markets maybe are settling down a little bit. Who knows whether we'll see a little, little dip in the market or not. But but specifically, like where are our advisors' feet going? And there's a huge trend for independence. Everyone's talking about independence, and there's all different sizes and scales of independence. But where do you, in, in your mind, from your vantage point, where do you see that trend going? And then, sort of the follow-up question to that is really just going to be, you know, how are you and Oppenheimer taking advantage of opportunities to grow, you know, your advisor headcount?
1: Frank, it's an important question. The fact is, the trend is undeniable, right? And for some practices, independence might make sense. Bottom line is, there are really models for everyone. What we believe here at Oppenheimer fundamentally is that we are the best of an independent model with full service capabilities and support that one would come to expect from larger shops with a well-known, respected brand. Fact is, is that when we look at what it is that we look to provide, it's really unsurprising that the industry seemingly offers a binary choice right now, right, Frank? We talked about this a few weeks ago, wirehouse and independence. And while I'm sure we'll get into it a bit, advisors do have other choices. What I think it starts with is a real frank conversation with one's practice and oneself and the questions that need to be asked of this. Why is a practice considering going independent? It can't just be about compensation as we well know. It needs to be about this. Where can I best represent the needs I have for my clients? Where can I best have a practice that reaches its fullest potential? When these questions are asked, I believe the field of play opens up dramatically as we discussed a lot when we got back together. When it comes down to it, there are so many different types of business models. It's not that one shop can address all of them, or maybe they can. But the fact is, is you have to look at the totality of what you're looking to accomplish. And then I think the opportunity set opens up dramatically. And again, the options are not binary, warehouse, or independence. There are other choices.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, that's a great observation, because if you look out the landscape now, I see I, I always have this saying that the more things change, the more they stay the same. And what I see, it may may take a while, right? And for those of us that have been in the business north of 25, almost 30 years, right? We've seen lots of change. Um, And what I see with some firms, and I'll say the sort of the independent firms that have um, reaped the rewards of this movement to independence, a lot of them, a lot, I'll say COVID really sort of puts a supercharge to that. But what they're also identifying, and I think this is where you're well-positioned, they're also identifying there's a subset of these advisors like that want to feel, they want to feel like they're independent, right? But they don't really want to be independent, right? They don't want to deal with some of the things that you may have to deal with in terms of bills and benefit packages and all of those things that, that you real estate and technology spend and all that stuff, right? Um, and so there's a lot of independent firms, I see more and more are now. St- coming out with a w2 model right and they're and what they're saying is you know it's a it's a it's a supported independent model right you're a w2 but you're you feel independent and so they're basically trying to they're trying to recreate an oppenheimer right they're trying yeah. to recreate a smaller firm um where you have the feel and flexibility and you, and you, and you know senior management right your folks at your firm probably have your cell phone numbers and they can call you and um you know and, it, and they get that feel that everyone wanted, but they also don't have to worry about whether the rent's paid that month or you know if there's an issue within a sale with a, with a support staff person they there's a manager that can go solve that problem for them and they can go do what they do best you know and and I know a lot of advisors, many of them are friends of mine that um, are great producers, right They're practitioners. I call them practitioners. they're not really business owners they're practitioners. And they belong in in a W two model because they want to do other things outside of their four you know wealth management walls, and they can't necessarily do that if they're running their own running their own shop. And so, you know, I think that with Oppenheimer, and we never really got into sort of your 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 background, but maybe just touch base on on your background because I think that it's interesting your history with Oppenheimer. Uh, but I think Oppenheimer, which is why I wanted to do this fits fits a marketplace where you know you have the you have the capital markets right it's a was a really strong capital markets firm uh, one of the things that m- many people may not know about Oppy is that um you have a huge international exposure um, in your footprint not exposure but footprint and i think that that takes some people by surprise in the international space you are a well known brand and so people need to think about that. That's it's it's like that for a reason. And so there are a lot of independent firms out there that don't have the kind of capabilities that you guys offer. So, um, you know, talk. Te- let me step back a little bit because I want to maybe give the audience a little bit of uh, background on your history with Oppenheimer, and then I want to go into what a lot of people think of when they think of Oppenheimer is, well, isn't Oppenheimer that old-fashioned old, old fashioned capital markets firm, right? Isn't that who Oppenheimer is? I call that the old Oppenheimer, but I think that there's a new Oppenheimer that people need to learn about. And so you've seen, you've been through all of that stuff. So maybe just handle talk about your background a little bit and then sort of old versus new Oppenheimer.
1: Frank, there's so many different things to talk about here. Right? And I, I couldn't I can't thank you enough for teeing that up. What's interesting about my background, I suppose, is that I'm now in my 29th year here at the firm. And 100% of my time has been client and advisor facing. 100% of my time. Frank, as you know, I started on Halloween of 1994 in the exalted position of cold calling, right? Double and triple dialing to all hours of the night, talking about the firm's special research series and other attendant properties that made the boutique of Oppenheimer, then a private partnership, one of the most well-respected brands on Wall Street. What is similar to then as it is now is this, something that people really don't realize. Historically, the majority of this firm's revenue is generated from its private client division, 2022 being no different. In fact, well over 60% of our top-line revenue in the division comes from advisory, something a lot of people don't realize. There is a large and exceptionally sophisticated wealth management platform within Oppenheimer. And we can get into some of those differentiated features in a moment. But because of those roots and humble beginnings, what I have to tell you this, Frank, um, is unequivocal. The great respect for the advisor-client relationship and the very serious work that our advisors do every day comes from the top of the house, right? At the end of the day, I know, you know how hard it is to win clients. You know how hard it is to keep clients. You know how easy it can be to lose clients based on policies and just simple capital market actions like we saw in 2022. What you need in this business is a firm that has your back in moments like that. And I, having done it, have such an exceptional respect for that advisor-client relationship and, candidly frank, preserving choice getting back to how we compete in this world between the two seemingly impossible choices, wirehouse or independence. When you look at it, we have access, we have culture, we have a firm that loves investing and looks to empower our advisors every single day to make more informed decisions on behalf of their clients and putting their hard-earned capital to work. It's an important differentiator of how we compete. You've heard me say this before, Frank, and I want to emphasize it. What we believe Oppenheimer brings to bear is a structured, independent model that actually relies on on the word dependency to, to success, right? What we seek to be, and we have proven to be for some of the most elite practices on Wall Street, is that catalytic partner that allows an advisor to become the best advisor they can and really fulfill their very serious duty of advising client capital. That comes in a lot of different flavors, but the reality is this, what you should expect from an Oppenheimer when you get to know us a little bit better is this, we have all the things one might expect a full service firm to have with unique aspects that only a boutique can deliver, niche strategies, niche opportunities, and by the way, the ability to support niche practices, and we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah, Can
0: you elaborate on that? Because I think that that's one of the things that as a smaller firm in the retail space right many of the independent shops that are out there lack these types of niche opportunities where where you're working with a high net worth client may want a little bit more sophisticated product and they just simply don't have them so maybe maybe just touch base on on those kind of niche type of opportunities that that you think separate Oppie without question and by the way i call it Oppie. i've been in business so long i Oppenheimer, but I always call it Oppie. So
1: as do I. Yeah. So please, you know what? OPY, my home again, yeah. 29 years. Yeah. So let's talk about practices for a second, Frank, and then get into the platforms if you if you will. Uh, yeah. So we have the capability of supporting a very diverse group of businesses here that are thriving here at Oppenheimer. Parenthetically, when you look at what people should know at Oppenheimer, is what success can look like and does look like here at Oppenheimer. If you look at some of the major branded accolades in this business, Forbes Shook coming to mind, Frank, as an example, we have Forbes Shook top advisors, best in state, next gens, best wealth management teams. We're talking about a good portion of our population having those types of practices that are quite literally put on marquees throughout the firm, if not globally. Very important. We service the captive insurance industry through some specialized advisors at Oppenheimer. We have corporate and executive services practices that work with C-suites and corporations at large. We focus on credit unions, pensions, endowments, foundations, sovereigns. The guardianship business is thriving here. When we look at the types of businesses that we service here, they are as diverse and unique as the advisors that we have and the clients they serve. We have those full service capabilities. Where do we compete and how do we win? If you look at the power of a boutique, it should come with a number of things, none the least of which is access to people that are there to support your business. And on top of it, unique and differentiated investment ideas. Frank, we talked about this a few weeks ago. This is not the capital allocation business, although many firms focus on that pie chart mindset, right? Gather, move on. This is a place where the intellectually curious thrive. This is still the investment business. And because of that, our platform needs to meet the needs of the modern client and the attendant concerns that they have in this environment of high inflation and uncertainty. Whether it's the traditional advisory platform that we have within UMA, Repus PM, which is very strong here, or other areas of the platform, it's about finding unique opportunities that quite honestly, as a colleague of mine and I like to say, match capital with opportunity. Another saying, I may have mentioned this to the group a few weeks ago, Frank, is this. Investments with, Investments made without context are simply sales, right? Contextualizing advice is a very important part of what a firm like Oppenheimer can and does deliver every single day. What does that look like? It could be our private market opportunity platform, a venue for fast-growing emerging companies in a variety of verticals uh, being able to raise capital and ultimately have our clients exposed to some of the fastest-growing areas of the capital markets in the private market sector. They can be unique and differentiated separate account managers that quite simply don't have the capacity or the desire to run tens of billions of dollars, right? We're a firm that runs over $100 billion. And at the end of the day, it affords us the luxury of finding unique strategies that quite honestly can't simply absorb the bandwidth that larger platforms might very well look to uh, seek out initially. In other words, let's not talk about capacity. Let's talk about the capacity you have to run our money first.
0: Yeah, we've always, we've seen those stories over the years where, where a, a manager has a great track record. They get on some large platform and it implodes because they get an influx of of money that they just simply can't invest properly, and then what happens? You, you, they start going to the second or third or fourth tier positions to put that capital to work, which end up uh, going uh, going awry for them. So almost an advantage that you can be more boutiquey in terms of uh, the the managers that you're looking for. Massive,
1: um, massive advantage, Frank. In fact, if you look at some of the strategies that we, well, many of the strategies on our platform, we call it our discovered manager series. What we love, and it's funny, I saw a Bloomberg post uh, with some managers that shall remain nameless for good and obvious reasons, that were the top performing hedge fund managers of 2022. Three of the top 20 are on our platform, Frank, right? I would challenge many platforms to to have that type of exposure to that quality. We can seek that out. Nothing is perfect, and there's only better ahead. But the reality is our size gives us a distinct advantage in sourcing strategies and talent. Do
0: you have uh, managers on your platform that were sourced? I don't know if this to the question, but that, were, that are brought to you by an advisor, by a president's council advisor, or someone that's saying, hey, you guys got to take a look at this manager, you know, what is your appetite for that kind of advice or guidance um, uh, input, I guess, uh, with from from the advisor salesforce?
1: Frank, if if you're not listening to the street, you're not listening, right? If you're not listening to the tip of from a distribution perspective, you're simply not listening. Our agenda is to serve our clients. Our clients are the people that entrust us to run their hard-earned capital and our advisors. That's what I look at. Those are our partners. And at the end of the day, that message and that mindset permeates. Oppenheimer? Specifically to your question, the answer is yes. What you'd expect at a firm that prides itself on culture and access is listening to our partners and quite honestly, not keeping score. Some of the strategies within our private market opportunity platform were sourced by advisors, as were some of our top performing managers and hedge funds. Uh, It's not a majority, but the fact of the matter is we are always looking for talent and you never know where it's going to come from.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, that's the whole point. Or to me, it's an it, it's like you said at the very beginning, it's an attitude that starts from the top down, right? And your view of of the financial advisor, uh, there are some firms out there that don't even want to hear their opinions, right? Because the ivory tower folks think that they know what's best for the advisor, um, and you know, I think that's the wrong attitude. So, um, when, when you talk about when we can we just I want to shift gears for a second, talk about uh, tip of the spear. You know, you said a couple of things, right? Tip of the spear, uh, 60% of your revenue comes from the advisor. Uh, Those other, you know, you're focused on the advisor. Let's let's talk about technology. Let's talk about support in general, right? And you talk about growing the the advisor uh, revenue and technology. If you're not embracing technology as an advisor, then you're not really able to grow at at the pace you want. Can you give our audience some idea on, Where you, where you, where you were with technology, and maybe where you're headed with technology. Right? And I say headed doesn't necessarily mean, you know, oh, we've, you know, we invested hundreds of millions of dollars, and this is where we're at. What I found with technology is what you have today will be outdated in the blink of an eye, right? So you have to constantly be thinking about where is tech going, and where are we going with the technology. So it's really about a question about the future of technology at Oppenheimer?
1: I think it's a great question and a very important one. And as you noted, technology is something that always has to be evolving, right? And what it used to be 20 some odd years, 30 some odd years ago, Frank, as we both know, is you built it inside and you worked it and tweaked it. And now it's a different model, right? I mean, outsourcing some of these opportunities certainly uh, allows you to bring your, your standards up to market much more quickly. Our focus has been on the focus of client experience and it's dramatically improving with several key deliverables on the horizon this year and beyond. What we're focused on right now is again that client experience and in turn, the tech stack that our advisors rely upon every single day to get their job done. If I can break it down into two or three areas, there's marketing and, and market awareness. There's practice management and then there's execution really to kind of Generalize it. As we both know, frank marketing starts with presence. What we've done is spend a lot of time focused on our digital delivery tools for our advisors to, in turn, communicate more effectively and efficiently with their clients and prospects. We have a very robust suite of tools that allow advisors to get to market with their message uh, through compliance and legal and into an automated marketing campaign manager where they can create bespoke lists and other attendant details that get their message to the people they want to get it to quickly, seamlessly, and automatically. Marketing starts with presence. Far better today than we've ever been in that space. Internally, if you look at our advisory platform and other areas, We've spent a lot of time, effort, money and attention to detail in making sure that our advisory platforms technology stack allows advisors to get the job done in a way that, again, meets modern standards. Our unified managed account platform, or really our advisor platform at large called Passport, has some very sophisticated portfolio management tools into it. Our Repus PM silo offers a best in class solution for that technology very very interesting stuff things that when you start to take a look at you realize this is not your grandfather's oppenheimer that's the car commercial <laughs> once went rank, right we, we've been around long enough to remember those commercials right yeah it was oldsmobile um our advisor works workstation again no limit on better what you're going to hear me say time and time again on this podcast and in other subsequent uh, meetings and venues is that concept of better being a mantra around here, right? Our mobile app just won an award. It is, I think, a great tool to give people statement of fact in their, in their clients' accounts and balances. Offers a great uh, interface to connect with your advisor, other related things. Full circle, the client experience dramatically improved here at Oppenheimer with several key initiatives coming down the pike. We're really excited for the future of tech here at Oppenheimer. And today, right now, we're better positioned than
0: we've been in a long time. That's very interesting that you you said better is the mantra. Uh, we just had our our uh, year-end planning meeting as a management team. And for the last couple of years, we've been using that that word better as our mantra because it really makes you look at everything that you're doing and uh, figure out how you can make it better. So I would I, I would give you kudos and and your and your leadership team, because it takes so, it takes uh, you know you got to check your ego at the door a little bit when you use that term, right? You have to acknowledge that, hey, we can be better at everything that we're doing. Some firms out there, I think, think they're the best, right? Like what they have is the best, and we don't have to improve it, or we don't have to get better at communication, or we don't have to get better at our client, senior leadership, advisor relationships, or whatever it is. And I think that's where some of these firms fall. Um,
1: Absolutely, Frank. I I think I referenced this book, which is really something that's kind of framed my thought and attitude on the subject uh, when we got together. It's a book called Atomic Habits, which talks about those little things that over time incrementally build toward exponential success and better right? It's those little things that we look to do every single day. And we ask our advisors, really, we challenge our advisors to do, right? What can we do better tomorrow that we didn't do today? Right? It's a very right. important concept.
0: Yeah. And so for me, you know, it's an attitude. And and right. a lot of times when I make decisions, when I'm consulting with an advisor about where they should be going, some of it, because they say, well, you know, um, I know there's, there's, companies out there they say well we're going to fill out these you know 50 questions and we're going to give you the list of five firms that you know you should pick from it's more than that like it's this this process of consulting in, in, with an advisor on where they should go is really an art because some of it has to do with opinions as it relates to management attitude right and their overall feel and and, and these types of things what are they doing to be better leaders and and you can't sort of put that in a box and check it or don't check it. Right. And so I look for that kind of thing when I'm just trying to decide, does this advisor fit with this, with this, this firm represents uh, both, um, you know, technology wise and advisory practices and all this stuff. But some of it is just the sort of the mental attitude of, of how they approach business. And so. um, You have to have the courage to
1: believe and also the conviction to be able to talk with radical transparency. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes a fit doesn't exist and it's okay to part ways, right? right? At the end of the day, what we look to do is really create a bespoke journey for our advisors, both the ones that are here and the ones that we're uh, we're recruiting, right? We've had, I think, six HOVs on this holiday shortened week um, in person and virtually. And one of the things that we pay a lot of attention to is upfront understanding what their key items are for concern or consideration and creating an agenda that's bespoke to them, right? So that what we can do, um, similar to what you're discussing, is find that sometimes closing doors is just as important as opening them as it pertains to vetting out firms, right? What firms do better than others and not as good as others is important, but it all starts with who the advisor is. And again, bringing it back to what we talked about in the beginning, what we have is an incredible respect for the power and diversity within the advisor population. And what we look to do is foster that, right? You can't do that by offering a one-size-fits-all solution in this business. It's one of the reasons why Lee consulting is as successful as they, they are, right? Yeah. Um, to, to pat you on the back for a second, when we engage with you, we know that you've done an exceptional job of getting to know a, a client, your advisors, and, and matching talent with the opportunity.
0: I appreciate that very much. So let's talk about. You mentioned your VIP trips, which which ultimately you hope lead to hires, right? Yes. Um, you've had some pretty good hires um, mm-hmm. this this last year, you know, twenty twenty two, and obviously you're off to a what what you'll hope to be a great start. I know with us we will be. Give us some color on the types of advisors. Like I know you opened up a, um, uh recently opened up a Nashville branch. Very sad. Um, yeah, that's really cool, and um, and it was a, you know, I'll let you talk about it, but um, it was a, uh, this is not a, this is not a sort of a run of the mill team. Like this was a serious team in that marketplace. So give us some color on the types of advisors that are choosing Oppenheimer now.
1: Absolutely, I think it comes down to that structured independence mindset. They're unsure of what their choices are, but when they see that Oppenheimer truly does look to deliver that catalytic experience where they can become the best advisors they uh, possibly can be and want to back in their story into the infrastructure and brand of Oppenheimer, that's the magic, Frank, right? When people are looking for that structured independence, dependency in some areas, but most importantly, independence in how they run their business and avail themselves of platform resources, that's magic. Nashville is a great example of what we're looking for in both practices and in opportunities that are greenfield to Oppenheimer. I don't need to tell you, Frank, you know that Nashville is a booming population. And when you find talent like we did in leadership and teams that were looking for that story of differentiation, it's quite honestly where we ended up winning. You're seeing that around some of our established branches and in other places, quite honestly, that we're looking at growing into. What I would tell you is that 2021 and 2022 brought with it a level of sophistication to this platform from a recruiting perspective that, quite honestly, we haven't seen in a while, right? Partially born of the pandemic, of course, and other items. But the reality is, whether they're international financial advisors that are looking for a home that understands, respects, and appreciates that business, rep is PM advisors who are looking for a home that respects them as a portfolio manager first, right? An advisor equally is important. Very good. Those that are looking for a niche-oriented platform with unique and differentiated investment ideas that are have that investor's mindset culture are the ones that are thriving here. If you look at it, uh, some of our fastest growing markets have well over a third of their production um, generated from advisors that have not been here for more than five years. If you think about that, that's important. Next-gen, Frank, a topic that I quite honestly think is very important for us to talk about here today. It's a cohort that's thriving here at Oppenheimer. Well over 10% of our advisors are under the age of uh, 40, many of which are on those lists I mentioned before. This is an apprenticeship business. It's not a business that gives somebody a stack of leads and hopes for the best. It's not that type of market anymore, Frank. Yeah, it's
0: too, too difficult
1: too difficult but when you have the right mentor with the right talent that is looking to do something special that's where the magic happens that cohort is alive and thriving here in fact we just had our, our inaugural next gen Summit here um, headed up by our, our head of national sales who's actually a next-gen himself a 10-year veteran leading the effort on a sales and marketing effort for the firm at large to our advisors I guess it was in September. We had over 60 next-gen advisors here. And I got to tell you, Frank, you left the room with a sense of optimism, energy, and enthusiasm, the likes of which we haven't felt in a while, obviously born of the pandemic. Sure. Those are just some of the practices that are thriving here at Oppenheimer. But I can tell you this, if you look at the practices that join Oppenheimer, statistics I shared with you uh, and the team a few weeks ago, our council membership, our top 80, the average tenure is north of 20 years. You would know better than me, Frank, I believe the average tenure at a Wall Street firm is somewhere around nine or 10 years. Yep. And that number in and of itself tells you a few things. People that come here stay here, and people that stay here and put the work in thrive here, right? That's not by accident. It's part of the DNA. It's part of the culture. It's part of that advisor-first mindset.
0: I think that that's the message right there, right? In that there is a place for everybody. And if you're an advisor that is getting curious about uh, why, you know, independence, but in your gut, you just simply know that's probably not a place for you, there are options out there, right? You're not stuck at, at I know we're picking on wirehouse firms here, but you know, you're not stuck at a wire, right? There is a better place. The grass is greener at a firm like Oppenheimer where where you can be a a large producer and we're not going to we don't you know we're not going to be giving out revenue numbers here but I can tell you that these are multi multi multi-million dollar teams and look candidly you're you're not the biggest deal on the street right so and I think that's important because when I when I was running branches at Smith Barney we were never the biggest deal on the street but we had the right story we had the right culture um you know pre-Morgan and we won a lot and i think that that's what you're seeing here that you're 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 winning the right producers right you're winning the right advisors that are coming for the right reasons that want to grow because they're seeing that on your on your platform with your leadership team with that culture really with the culture that they can they can achieve the goals that they want without having to be independent and and again Maybe, you know, there's a there's a give up there in, in in payout, but I always tell advisors, it doesn't matter what your payout is, it doesn't matter what your economics are. If you're at the wrong firm for you and your practice, you're gonna pay way more than any, than than a 10 point or you know, 12 point uh increase in your compensation. You're gonna end up losing money because you're at the wrong firm. So um, although you know, payouts and stuff like that are important when you're comparing firm to firm, culture and and fit are really the most important things, because if you if you can grow your practice exponentially, because you pick the right firm, um, you will make up you, any any difference in money, you know, tenfold. So,
1: growth is the element, right? And we believe we're the catalytic partner for it. Uh, a few things to mention that you noted. First of all, is an acknowledgement that every model is relevant, right? The yep. wire independence and everything in between. It's not so much about what is or what isn't about the model, it's about what is and what isn't about the practice, about the advisor and the clients they service. I think that's really, really important. Secondarily, the one thing that overcomes anything is growth, right? If you look at our Chairman's Council and Executive Council advisors over the past two years, right, including the end of the pandemic and a pretty tough tape last year in 2022, they have grown their practices and have grown their asset bases in times of uncertainty frank you and i both know there's an old cliche out there the next million dollars of production is built in the worst of markets that's true last year the practices that i know you and your team are engaged with saw that opportunity the strongest practices at oppenheimer saw that opportunity so growth really does conquer all it can trump payout because at the end of the day If there's a million-dollar producer out there that wants to get to $2 million, I believe we are the partner to get you there, right? right? If you're looking to simply do a million bucks, that's a different model. And that comes back to something else we discussed, which is important for this podcast and tangential to this conversation, but important nonetheless, stability. One of the things that we've been very, very focused on is providing our advisor partners and in turn their clients and all the people that service and support Oppenheimer's private client division, stability, stability in leadership, and from an advisor's perspective, stability in compensation, right? I don't mind the fourth quarter of every year because our comp plan is historically stable year over year, right? That's an important element. Leadership, both in branches and myself, having been here at 28, 29 years, we're all here for the long duration. And that comes with the type of firm that we are.
0: You just mentioned something, and we'll. I wanna, this would be. I want to sort of close on this because you just talked about it. I think it's really important. You talk about leadership. Um, one of the things that I found that is lacking in um, many of the W two firms, not all of them, but many of them, but certainly not like what it used to be, uh, is is the autonomy that your leadership team in the in the field has right as a manager as a leader in in a in a community uh running a branch maybe just talk for for just 5 minutes about you know how you view uh your managers and their role in helping the organization grow because i think your your attitude towards field leadership is different than some other firms
1: one word to start many to follow partners let that sink in for a second because what we're looking to build and have, quite honestly, with a number of long tenured and some new branch managers, is build a culture that and that is collaborative, that is supportive, but is really built on the part the, the precepts of partnership. We're partners and extensions of each other. A branch manager is our in-market leader that is charged with the responsibility of waving the banner of this firm. And quite honestly the banner of his or her advisors, right? When our branch managers build it, they own it, right? And not to talk specifics, but there are a ton on my mind that I know are building best in class resources and brand in communities that matter. Nashville being one of them as a new market, um, we're building, we're making an impact. Other areas throughout the country, we see our field leadership as extensions of us. And again, to bring it full circle, as partners.
0: Yeah, I think that that's huge. Um, I think there are some firms out there that don't view them as partners. They view them as employees, as uh, button pushers, right? Pull this lever, push that button, don't ask questions. We'll run your branch from home office. Um, And so I think that that, the reason why I'm saying that's important, um, obviously as a former manager um, leader is that uh, because that's part of the thing that helps an advisor grow their practice by having a manager on on the ground, boots on the ground, that know what's happening in those communities, that can support you in with your growth? Because you know a, a New York home office can't tell a Nashville or or a Dallas or wherever else or Miami how that market should grow differently than another market. Only a manager in that marketplace knows the pulse of that market and the advisors in that market and really more importantly right the types of clients that those advisors are trying to go after and how to do it the right way and so i think that having managers with that kind of partner feel and flexibility is really important so I, and i think that's a separator really a, that no one really talks about um i think that people dis, people look over the importance of managers nowadays which is really um. So obviously if you're a manager and you're listening to this, you're welcome.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think at firm's peril, Frank, uh, at the end of yeah. the day, that leadership strata is important. It's not a layer. It's an extension. Yeah. And yeah. on that score, something that came to mind that ties into this quite nicely, I think is this entrepreneurial should never mean unaccountable. Right. right. The reality is, is that accountability is a two way street, both from the field uh, into the home office and into the home op- from the home office out to the field, right? That's what the best partnerships are built on. When I look at the accountability part, what it comes down to is this the word we talked about before, better. Those that thrive here are those that have that mindset. Those that thrive here are the ones that realize they have an accountability to their clients, an accountability to their colleagues, an accountability to the firm, right? to do better and to grow. We do that together and i believe we're best positioned to do this that in my career i've never been more excited about the opportunity ahead of us we're doing better every single day and it's really exciting to partner with teams like
0: yours to get the job done awesome i love it so if you're an advisor out there and you're listening to this this uh podcast uh, and you get a call from an oppenheimer manager take the call take a cup of coffee um you'll be you'll be pleasantly surprised with what you hear so um obviously if you uh have some interest in in talking with Oppenheimer, you can call me um as always uh you can shoot me an email at frank at elite consulting uh don't forget to uh check out um our you know all of our other podcasts check out my instagram account at franklarosa.elite. and if they want to get in touch with um with with you uh they want to have a confidential conversation with with you at your level um, you know, sort of before they engage the local manager, because sometimes there's some confidentiality. Sure, some streets very small, right? Uh, how would they how do they go about doing that? If they want, well, want Frank, first
1: and foremost, I can't tell uh, I could tell them one thing, they'd be exceptionally represented by you. So calling you and engaging with your team is one way, way. The other is this um look, this is the type of flat organization and access, I, I have to prove it. My email is ed.harrington at opco.com. I would look forward to any opportunity to engage and then refer to our managers who I consider partners. I'd also encourage people to to visit our joint opco.com website, uh, which really does provide a great degree of information about the type of place we are. Again, look forward to the opportunity of being able to tell our story more and make sure that the secret's out who we are and what we are today in 2023 is far different than what some people might remember and recall. And it's our opportunity right now to tell the story and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Love it. Love it. That's going to be the title of this podcast. The secrets out. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Love it. All right. Great. Awesome. Ed, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm excited. I was excited for this one. Uh, we got it done. I was excited to have you in the branch. Everyone was so energized. I hope with the listeners, we're energized as well. And um, I look forward to getting this out and having everybody reach out to you and reach out to me. Thanks a lot. All the best, Frank.
1: Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash
0: podcasts.